Amen. Well, before we go on, I just want to take one more minute to uh, just really encourage everyone as we're wrapping up this year of 2012. um, Next Sunday night is going to be a little bit of a different kind of night, a special night. It's the last night of our year, and we're going to take some extra time uh, for prayer, for testimonies. Uh, We're encouraging everyone, you know, if if you have an exhortation, if if the Lord has maybe been laying on something on your heart to encourage the body, we'd love to, to have you share that next week. And, um, you know, I, we, we do that on purpose because we realize that God speaks uh, to different ones along the way. You know, the scriptures clearly teach us it's, it's just not a few people who stand behind the, this lectern and, and teach that can hear from the Lord. And we encourage people to listen for the voice of God. And, and to really be in a position where they're, where they're willing to share, where they're willing to, you know, to speak in a way that builds. And, of course, you know, everything you know, is, is guided by Scripture. And that's one of the reasons we do it, because 1 Corinthians 14 teaches us. You know, when, we, when you come together, everyone has a song, a hymn, a Scripture, a, a teaching, a revelation, a prophecy. And our goal as a body is to build one another up. And that's not just the job of, you know, a pastor or a leader or a preacher or a teacher. That's the job of every member. Every member. And so with the real seriousness of attitude, you know, we, we, we encourage you. We want you to pray so that when we come together next week, you know, we just, we're going to have a special opportunity to pray and worship and just hear from God and, and, and really trust that the Lord is going to speak. The Lord is going to encourage us. The Lord is going to to keep us focused on His priorities. And as we step into 2013, you know, just really having a hunch of some of the things that God wants to do in our midst, I'm very much looking forward to this. Um, I know that there's going to be a cost. Thank you, brother. He's just after my reward, folks. Just kidding. There's going to be a cost to it. It's, It's definitely going to cost us something in the area of prayer and consecration and the, the surrender of our lives to the Lord, but it's the benefits of, of offering our lives to God far exceed the cost. It's, there's just no comparison. What we sacrifice, is there's no comparison to what we gain when we put our lives on the altar of the Lord. So be thinking about that. Be praying about that as, as we gather next Sunday night, just believing that the Lord is going to meet with us in a wonderful way. All right. It's a couple days before Christmas. Is anybody excited? Come on now. I'm excited. I love Christmas time. I, I think it's the most wonderful time of the... I'm sorry. I just had to go there. Okay. I just had to go there. Uh, I want you to turn to John 1. It's interesting. Lenise read from John 1 earlier and... Uh, the, the the message that I want to bring tonight comes from John 1. I, I think Frankie also spoke from John 1 a few weeks back. At least I think he did. My memory is fading. But, you know, the, the presence of God and, and what incarnation is about. It's, it's about God who created us and has a purpose and a destiny for us. 
getting as involved as he possibly could in our mess and coming to straighten things out from the inside out. That's one thing for the Lord to be up in heaven and looking down and saying, get this right, get that right, do it this way, don't do it that way. It's one thing for him to be, you know, the omnipotent, sovereign king over the whole universe, reigning from a throne and then analyzing our problems and our mistakes and directing us from, you know, far off. It's another thing for the omnipotent, sovereign God of the universe to humble himself to make himself vulnerable and small and weak in the form of an infant, and then show us how to bring his way as one of us. Now that kind of a story is radically different from ones we think of typically. And that's what makes the incarnation such an incredible miracle. But I want to talk about um, tonight the power of the light Jesus is the light of the world. And it's such a critical concept that we understand the power of this light. And I want uh, just to read a couple verses from John, the first chapter, and then I want to speak to you tonight about the light of, the Lord, of, the light of, of, of God. So let's, let's take a look now. This is John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, or the light of people. Okay, this is a generic term, men, it means just everybody. Men and women. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Some uh, texts say not understood it. It's because of a a Greek issue, a textual issue, that some manuscripts contain the word understand, some contain the word conquer or overcome. Talk a minute uh, about why that that is in in a second. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, God bless all you guys, about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right, the authority, to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of a man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Grace piled on top of grace is a great way to translate that. 
For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. Now the only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Amen. Lord Jesus, eternal Word of God, light of the world, we honor You now. We recognize Your presence even now in our midst by the Spirit. And we are determined that Your light should shine on us fully, completely, thoroughly. Lord, may we not hide from your light, but may we offer ourselves because of your light. May we not attempt to to keep darkness. May we simply let the light penetrate us thoroughly, entirely. Illumine every area of our lives so that the only testimony we can possibly bear witness to is one of truth, one of life, one of Becoming children of a father whose love knew no bounds. Touch your people, Lord. Shine brightly tonight. May darkness flee at the presence of the living God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And this is such an awesome passage. And it's really rich. I'd like to ask one of the kids, let's see if you can help me now. Wait, ask the question first. This book, John, starts in a specific way. What, What are the first three words of John, Isaac? In the beginning. Now, another kid, tell me, what other book of the Bible starts that way? Josh? Genesis. They both start the same way. Why do you think that is? Anyone got an idea? Isaac, you have an idea? It is a little bit about creation. You, what, what were you going to say? It was the first creation. That's right. Genesis was the first creation. What does that mean that John is then? The second one. Nice job. That was awesome. Let me tell you guys something. Well done. But this is one of the things that John is is trying to communicate. John was a disciple of Jesus, a follower of the Lord. And when he thought, now he's writing after Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended to heaven and the Spirit has come. Now he's thinking back about the life of Jesus and, and thinking to himself, how can I best describe what happened? And one of the best ways he could think of to describe what happened was was to talk about when God created the world. And he said, when in the beginning, like Genesis, that was like the Bible for him, right? Remember at the start of our Bibles, he's saying, when we read this story about how God said, let there be light and there was light. Remember that? Now, what he's saying is Jesus was the word of God who was with God right then and there, through whom everything came into being. Nothing was created except through the Word. What a powerful statement. Creation itself depends on the Word of God. And so one of the themes in John's Gospel he's introducing here is new creation. New creation. 
Look at what he says. He says, look, the, the people saw something. They saw a light shining, which again is an important theme from Genesis 1. Because when God created the heavens and the earth, what did they look like? What's the phrase? Huh? Who's got the Hebrew? Come on, fire students. What was the phrase? Genesis 1. The earth was tohu wabohu, right? Formless and void. And darkness covered over the face of it. Something had to happen. The, the earth could not remain the way it was, and so God spoke. And he said in Spanish, he said in Spanish, que sea luz, que sea luz, that there may be light. Let there be light. I'm sure God speaks Spanish. It's no question about it. So, let there be light, and there was light. And light was like the first thing now that starts to give order. Starts to give order to the whole thing. Day, night, stars, moon, sun. Light is such a critical component of the creation. Account. Light is what orders stuff. You can't have day and night if you don't have that. You, you, you can't count. You can't mark progress. Light is the, is the first of the things that God creates after the heavens and the earth. And John's testimony is, I'm telling you, that light, that was, that was the word of God. In him was life. <laughs> and that became light for people. It's a new creation day, is what John's saying about Jesus. He comes, and when he enters into the world, he's bringing with him God's new creation. It's already starting. Now, one day, we're looking forward to the transformation of the heavens and the earth, right? Like the Bible teaches, Revelation 21, I, Behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and that's our destiny. When everything broken about this world system is fixed. Romans 8, the creation itself is groaning to be changed, to be transformed. But what's the pattern for their transformation? The sons of God. Us. And I don't think we realize half the time creation itself is going to be changed, but we're, we're the roadmap for creation. We are being changed. We are being recreated now. It's already underway, this recreative act of God. Does anybody know we're talking about Christmas? Come on, it's not Santa Claus and ho It's recreation. This is Christmas. It's a Christmas message. It's new creation. It's not just incarnation. It's not just God taking a risk. It's God on a mission to transform everything. And it starts with us. It starts with humanity. Creation is going to follow our lead. And that's, a, that's, that's an impressive place to stand. But that's our destiny according to Psalm 8. What is man that you're mindful of him? What is the son of man that you even consider him? And yet, you have placed all things under his feet. And Hebrews says that's about Jesus. Now, we don't fully see everything submitted to his feet, but we do see this. Jesus crowned in glory and honor after suffering. Recreation is, the, is a critical theme in Christmas. It's not, not just, you know, the cute baby and the lambs and the sheep. And it doesn't say, you know, when we're talking about the Bible and what certain things that are present in the, the birth of Jesus. But this is about new creation. And that's the plot that John introduces at the outset. I want to focus on these verses now in verses 9 through, 16, 9 through 13, though. 
And when you think about this light, true light, what does it mean to say that Jesus is the true light? And I, one, one other way to translate this is to say he's the authentic light. Okay? There are different forms of light. Some are derivative of others. Kids, does the moon have its own light? No, why not? I got it. Does the moon have its own light? No. Where does the moon get its light? The sun. How does that work? Don't remember? Okay. Acacia, what? what? It reflects, well, not off the earth. Off the sun. That's right. So the moon reflects the light that comes from the sun. So it doesn't generate light. It just reflects it. Now, here's the thing about Jesus. He generates light. Because he's life. It says in him was life. (laughs) We read John 5 later on. It says the Father gave him the authority to have life in himself. Meaning he generates it. And then he can extend it to anybody that he wants to. Anything that's dead around him, he can just look at it and say, live. And it will. That's authority. That's authenticity. The the light of the world doesn't depend on someone else's um, power to generate it. It's inherent to who he is. It's a part of him. Just He shines. He's shiny like that. And um, to me, this is just an amazing statement. The authentic light who enlightens everyone was coming into the world. I want want you to listen to this carefully because he enlightens everyone. The way this is constructed in the original language does not necessarily mean he gives spiritual insight to people. What it means is he, he lights them up. In the sense that he reveals them. He reveals their true identity. Because he's light and he can't do anything but that. And so he just, whenever he shines, he just makes clear the realities around him. So you're standing with Jesus, you're going, you're going to get lit up. Is what's going to happen to you. He will light you up. Now I know that getting lit is used in different contexts. And that's not what I'm talking about. But Jesus Christ is light. And to stand before him is to be lit up. To be, fundamentally, it's to be exposed so that nothing anymore is hidden. That's what he does. He's the light of the world. He illumines everything. And you just can't be where he is and be dark. And that's positive and negative depending on what he finds when he turns on the light. See what I'm saying? He's light. And that light comes into the world. Look at how sad this is. Verse, Verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him, but the world didn't know him. And a good way to, you know, think about that is that the world did not recognize him. They didn't recognize him. How do you think about that? He did not recognize him. 
what, what level of, of brokenness do you have to be in to not recognize your maker? What level of this, you know, just complete disarray does your, does your thinking and mindset have to be? Just not even right. I mean, I just think about my, my kids. I mean, I made them. I made these guys. And to, for them not to recognize me? I mean, that's, that's broken. There's something wrong about that. And the testimony about the world in John, which the world represents this kind of like the human, human system and all of its brokenness and rebellion against God. Whenever you see the, world, the word world in John, it's almost entirely negative. Occasionally it's neutral. It's never good. The world represents just this, this fallen world system, this human sinfulness and pride aligned against God. Even in John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The point of, of God loving the world here is not that the world is so lovable. It, the point is that it's so broken that God would do this to love it. Meaning God so loved the world means God, in this way God loved the world. He gave his son to die on a raggedy old Roman piece of wood. So that whoever believes will not perish, but will have eternal life. Because the destiny of the world is perishing because it's bad. So the world isn't this like precious treasure necessarily. In John's gospel, it's, it's almost always corrupt. It's almost always sinful. Hostile to God. And in this case, the light of God comes into the world. And the world is like, I don't know what that is. I don't recognize that. It's a little bit like Romans 1 where Paul talks to the Gentile nations and saying, look, you should have known. The invisible qualities, the power, the, the eternality of God was on display for you in creation itself, but you rejected it. You, it it's your fault. It's on you. You exchanged the truth of God for a lie. You worshiped created things instead of the creator. The world did not recognize him. It's a shame. It's the, it's the level of depravity of the world system. But then he takes it a step further. Not only did the world not recognize it, but he came to his own, it said in verse 11. His own people. Now, now this is almost certainly a reference to the Jewish people who had the covenants, who had the promises, who had the Bible who had the history with God, who had all of the, all of the benefits of a, of, an, of a covenant relationship with God. And the light came up in there shining, and the people said, we will not receive you. Now again, this is a generality. As, he, as he's going to say just a minute later, there were some, of course, that received him. But by and large, the bulk did not. Again, a sign of judgment on God's own people this time. Not just the world, but now we're talking about his own. His own. And they said, we will not receive you. But, verse 12 says, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right, the authority to become God's children. 
Did you guys notice that what started out with creation and the world ended up in a family? Did you see that? I mean, it's one thing to talk about light shining and creation and and all the, the macro, God creating the cosmos and the universe. But the ultimate goal of all of this is offspring. The ultimate goal is a family. And whoever believed in his name, they were given the authority to become children, to join God's family, because that's what he's after. The whole point of his shining is not just to expose things, because it will do that. But the point of the exposure is the reconciliation that must then follow. When we realize that God knows who we really are, we have one of two choices. The one is to pretend he doesn't and keep on living however we want. In a sense, not recognizing him or not receiving him. The other choice is to realize we're doomed unless we surrender to the light. It's the only hope we've got is to let the light shine so thoroughly in us. That by faith in his name, we become welcomed into his family. This light shining is one of the most powerful forces in all the universe. Darkness has not overcome it. Whether it's understand or overcome, the point remains, the light is going to shine, period. And you can't put it out. Come on, somebody, it's good preaching. You can't put the light out. You can do it. You, I mean, you can try. You can, you can wrestle with it. You can deny that it's there. You can try to put a bushel. You can try to stamp it out. But it just the, the sparks fly in all different directions and it starts burning over there. You can't put out the light. It's futile. It's futile to resist. Isn't that one of those? What, what was that from? Resistance is futile. It it won't happen. The light is going to shine. He shines in darkness. Guys, sometimes I think we misunderstand. We look around and we see darkness and it discourages us. We look around and we see darkness and we feel like the weight of that. and it's, it's, It's very difficult to wrestle with darkness. And we've seen enough of it in the last couple of weeks in both national issues as well as personal issues here, even in our fellowship. D- darkness is something that is, nobody wants darkness. But let me tell you something, neither does God. And that's why he intends to light you up. The point of light is to shine. That's what it does. Listen, I brought an illustration here. This is like a Christmas gift for one of my boys. How does that make you feel there? It's a little bright. Jose, hit the lights for me. Just, I just want, back there, behind the pole. I just want to compare it. just want to compare it. Now how about it? See, I, you know, when, when all the lights are on, go ahead, turn back on. I mean, it's, it's kind of bright. It's kind of like a little bit, it goes to your eye, it's a little irritating are off now, and this thing is piercing. It's like, don't shine it. Stop it. It's really irritating me now. 
And you can't ignore this. I mean, if someone's shining this in your face, you cannot ignore it. You understand? You can't ignore this. You know, and if this thing is on you, everything else is dark. It's going to get even darker, friends. You guys have read the you've read the Bible, right? You read all the way through to Revelation about the suffering and all the all the excellent, wonderful things we have to look forward to. The attacks and the you know the persecutions, everything else. I'm telling you, it's going to get real dark. But do you understand the power of the light when it gets that dark? Can't stop it. Even if they try to put it out. I mean, you can put me out, but then 15 other me's are going to rise up. You put you out, but 25 other you's are going to rise up. You can't stop it. The light shines in darkness. The darkness cannot conquer it. It hasn't overcome it. It can't even understand what's going on, and it won't. That's why we're on the right side of this battle. Being on the side of darkness is never a winning position. Never. And you've got to think this through now. Because we have the opportunity to let that, shine, that, that, that light shine in us powerfully, deeply, thoroughly. It's not going to go both ways. As the light, he, he illumines everyone. He lights them up. He knows exactly. And you just read some of these stories in John's Gospel. Remember when he came to Nathaniel? Andrew introduces him. Nice job, bro. He said, Nathaniel, a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel's like, what the? How did you? He shines. He just lights people up. He knows. There's nothing hidden from him. He illumines everything. There's a verse in chapter 2, verse 24. It says, Jesus knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about people, for he knew what was in them. He knows what's in them. You know, you know why some people, I think, really don't like Christmas? It's because it's connected to this idea that they're accountable. Man, if God has really done this, if this has really happened, if he has really entered into the human story, if he has really made himself knowable, if he's really made himself accessible, then everyone is responsible. And darkness does not want responsibility. Darkness never wants to be held accountable for anything. It's the very, it's the very rationale of darkness existing. It's to say it's, it's someone else's fault. It's someone else's responsibility. It's not on me. And just light just makes all of that lie. Just empty. He knows what's in us. He doesn't need our testimony. And there are times when the light shines that it produces a division. It, it will make a choice. It will cause a decision to be made. Light shining demands a response. You saw it in chapter 1. 
to the world did not recognize, to his own did not receive, but some. But to those who did believe in his name, he gave that authority. And this is the way with light. This is the way with light. It just is going to divide. You can't stand in the light and be in darkness. That's why in 1 John, when it says, look, what fellowship is there with light and darkness? What is it? What is the fellowship? What is the possibility of light and darkness coexisting in the same place? Can I tell you what the possibility is? Zero possibility. It can't happen. You're either in light or you're going to be in darkness. When the light shines, you can go scurrying for a hole in the wall, or you can stand there and let it illumine you thoroughly. And that's a hard thing to decide, because it means you have to own up to it then. It means now you have to take responsibility. It means now there's no guarantees what's going to happen next. Because I'm, I'm standing here naked, exposed before God. He absolutely knows me. And there's not going to be any pretending. And there's not going to be any negotiating. He knows what's real. And his call is for light to pierce darkness. It always is. It's always for light to penetrate darkness. But the end of this story is, again, the the reason for allowing light to penetrate darkness is because God's agenda has always been getting for himself a family, a people who live in the very knowledge of his life, who are transformed by his power, who stand before him and call him Father, Not just, oh, eternal God. No, not just that. Not just sovereign master of all the universe. You know, and not just the the wonderful, you know, know, testimonies about God's majesty and his, his supernatural supervision of the entire cosmos. Yeah, he is all that. But he's not just looking for your acknowledgement of his power. He's looking to recreate you in his own image. He wants children, not slaves, not robots, not just, look, the angels are not his kids. We're we're the children that God's looking for. But to become a child is to play in the light. You know, is to let the light shine so thoroughly, so completely that we're not holding back. We're not trying to hang on to some dark thing. We're not trying to hang on to some bit of our own independence, of our own way, of our own pride, of our own determination just to, to prove something, as if we have something, so we're going to prove something to God. Yes, I know you called me to live a certain way, but I'll show you. What are you going to show him? He's been around since the beginning of creation. You think you're the only one? You think nobody else has tried to come across that way? Who do you, who do you think you are? <laughs> I mean, honestly. You don't have a choice to negotiate. He sets the terms. He's going to shine. And you are going to be lit up. And then you are going to choose. 
And all the time in God's heart, he is saying, I want sons and I want daughters. And at the point of my illumining you is so that you can be completely transformed and recreated by the same power that hung stars in the sky. That's the same power that's available to change us. What an awesome testimony. This is the gospel. Welcome to Christmas. It's God stepping into the mess and setting things right from the inside and then working them out. And soon enough, they'll spiral all throughout the cosmos. But everything's starting right here in just a little seed, just a little part of you, seemingly indiscernible. But God knows everything, and he knows the difference between a heart that's light and a heart that's dark. I believe that the Lord's heart is for people not to resist him as he's trying to bring clarity, trying to bring truth, trying to bring light to bear. We shouldn't fight this as if it's some burden, as if God dealing with us, God exposing things in us is some kind of like annoyance. Some kind of, well, I wish you'd just leave me alone about this. Listen, he wants children. And birth is not a painless process. All the mothers in the room said, birth is not a painless process for the mother or the child. But if you will be reborn, then you can live in a household governed by a father of love. You can live in a household that is illumined by the light of the presence of God. You can live in a household, even though it's dark outside, it's always shining brilliantly. In fact, people who really want to see things that are light and bright, they'll come running. I'm going to just wrap up with John 3, where in this exchange with Nicodemus, where again Jesus lights him up, exposing his misunderstanding, his wrong thinking. But I want you to look at what he says in verse 19. This is the judgment. Light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You know how we resist when we get caught? Oh, maybe you don't know about that. I'm sorry. Maybe it's just me. When you do something wrong, your first instinct is to cover it up. Blame the dog. I mean, this was the thing. When you're, you're a kid, something gets broken. Did you do that? Well, who did it? In a point, the dog or the cat or the neighbor or the wind blew in through the window and knocked on the vase. I don't know, you know. The first instinct is to cover it. Darkness hates light. It just it will not submit to that. There's that, that's, that pride and that resistance. I will not yield to this. I will, I will defend my reputation. I will defend my integrity. I won't let people think badly of me. You know, this is darkness. The way it grips us. The way it turns us. 
I can't be wrong. I won't be blamed. Because their deeds are evil, but what, the, the ones who will turn to the light, it's, it's going to be obvious that their works are done in God. You know, when we just sign on to the agenda of Christmas, <laughs> when we just sign on to the agenda of God in recreating a people through, through the light of the world, Jesus Christ, then there's nothing to fear when that light starts shining. We have everything to gain by submitting our lives to Him. We have nothing to lose by letting go of the deeds of darkness. Nothing at all. What are you going to take into eternity? The deeds of darkness, you know, they're going to profit nothing. What Paul says is that the wages of sin are death. You can work hard all your life for sin. And here's your wage, death. Not a very handsome paycheck. On the other hand, God's gift is, is eternal life. When light shines... Darkness flees. And my encouragement to you is to let the light shine on you. This holiday, this Christmas, what, you know, just make sure you're standing in the light and let him expose so that he can liberate and adopt. Because he's looking for children, he's looking for a family. Amen. Let's stand together. You grab somebody's hand next to you. We're just going to pray for one minute before we finish. Hallelujah. Well, let's just bow our heads. Lord, we praise you, God. We, we come before you realizing we are imperfect, realizing our flaws, realizing our, our sins and our, the, the pride that so often keeps us from the light, the pride and the, the, the deception of darkness that wants to keep us away from the truth. And tonight, Lord, we ask you to search us. We ask you to turn that spotlight on us. We ask you, God, to show us the ways we must address in our own lives so that we can be set free from the grip of darkness, set free from the grip of the world system, set free from our own human pride and ambition. Lord, we need humility. Humility like a baby in a manger. Humility like, like God leaving His throne. We need humility like a man washing the feet of His students. Lord, we need Your help. God, we need You to shine. We need You to brilliantly shine. We need You to expose our hearts. Let there be no dark place found. Let there be no place for darkness to hide. We ask you to turn on the brightness of the face of Jesus Christ. The billions and billions of watts of electricity and fire and energy that are just burning from your eyes right now. We pray, God, that there would be no hiding for us. Lord, we pray that you would just cut down any desire in us to turn away from you. And, and however hard it seems to, to look you in the eyes and to be accountable for our lives and to let you shine in such a way as to burn away 
the impurity. Burn away the, the distraction. Burn away, God, the false notions of, of, our, own, of our own wisdom and brilliance. Lord, we, we want to see our lives caught up in you, consumed in you, transformed by you. Lord, on this Christmas, I'm praying that you burn brightly. I'm praying that the star, the star that, that led the Magi only be a, just a, a brief and small example of your power, but, but keep that brightness burning for us right now, Lord. Keep, keep bringing that back to our hearts over these next days and weeks. Like the power of your light. And I pray that you would undermine the enemy's plot to keep us hidden, to keep things dark. I pray that you would reveal the truth of His work so that we can put it away, so that we can turn from it. I pray that you would reveal the power of the Gospel here, the power of the truth, the power of righteousness and the Spirit. We need you to shine, Jesus. You're the light of the world. There's no darkness in you. We need you desperately, Lord. We need you, Jesus. Thank you, God. There is a promise for anyone who will, who will come to Him. Anyone who is not right, anyone who is not in the light. If you want to sign on to God's agenda, if if you want to become one of His family members, if you want to stand for what He stands for, if you want to give your life for His cause, if you want to acknowledge that He is in charge, He's... He's the boss, he's, he's the master, but also the Father. Then that hope is held out for you even now. That, that light is still shining. And there's no reason, even tonight, even now, not to respond to that light. And I want to encourage you, if you know you're not in the light, if you know that you're in darkness right now, I want to encourage you right now to reach out. Reach out to God. Just... Tell someone next to you, you need help. You need to find Jesus Christ. There there are people all over this room who are ready to help you. Ready to help you. Ready to help deal with any bit of darkness. Because there is no darkness that can withstand the power of God to transform it and turn it into light and the brightness of the truth. So even tonight, if if, if you know in your heart things are not right, don't leave this room. I'll be here at the front. Others are here around you. I want you to reach out tonight. If you need prayer, if you need God's power to liberate, if you need truth to be, to be, to be told to you because you're confused or you don't understand, this is the time. This is what Christmas is for. Not just a holiday for candy and presents. Not just some stories about an ancient event with shepherds and, and astrologers. Christmas is about God inhabiting us illumining us and transforming us. Father, thank you for your work. Thank you for our destiny as your children. Keep on burning brightly in us. For God's glory, in the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people would say, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Seriously.